0: Satella Esquire, and Evan Ginsberg, and of course, special guest host, Mike Leno. Do you want to introduce our guest this evening today, uh, Evan Ginsberg?
1: Absolutely. He is a journalist. He is a filmmaker. He is a wrestling aficionado who is not shy about taking on the major promotions or the fanboys. He is the notorious M-I-K-E Mike Messier.
2: How are you, Mike? I'm doing good. It's really great to be here with this uh, esteemed panel. Uh, all of you guys are pro wrestling aficionados. Uh, Evan and I have met several times uh, in person in Connecticut and New York. And uh, I've, I've definitely heard of Mike Lano as well. So, uh, And Russell, it's great to be here with you and, and glad to be here with all the fans. Yeah, Buddy Sutello.
0: That's that you probably haven't. That's the one you haven't heard of because you probably don't spend too much time out in the Bay Area. But, but uh, uh, where we're calling you, where, where are you located right now?
2: I'm in Atlantic Beach, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, right. I was just oh. at the AEW uh, Fan Festival today. I can tell you some stories from that, and I've been going to the AEW live shows, the Dynamite shows, for about uh, since February. Uh-huh. and having a good time, and it's, it's. let's put it this way, guys, AEW may not be perfect, but it's happening, and it's nice to be in an arena with wrestling matches and a live crowd. So I'm happy to be there because uh, there is something magical about that ring, and despite what the powers that be try to do to destroy that magic, seemingly uh, from the, within the own from the business out, it seems like they try to destroy it sometimes with, with various reasons. As Evan alludes to, I get upset about it. But there's something magical about those uh, four ring posts, three sets of uh, ropes, and, and two or more wrestlers competing for a victory.
3: And so oh, Go ahead, Evan.
1: I, I just wanted to broach this subject. Why is it that the fans seemingly need to be... WWE versus AEW, why can't they enjoy both, or pieces of both, or what, it's almost like two rival gangs, and it's, it's really immature, and almost obsessive, from my point of view, what's your take on
2: it? From my point of view, I think, um, pro wrestling is based on conflict, and I think that there's been a lack of good conflict storytelling within the business, Especially from the WWE, for, since maybe since uh, the Daniel Bryan storyline when he initially won the title at that year's WrestleMania, there's there's been a basic lack of conflict on television. Uh, there's a lot of influences from that. Uh, as as great as I think the women's division is in WWE, it's stacked with talent. I think some things that how the women were presented on Total Divas sometimes uh, creates a softer touch to the presentation. I think Renee Young, as popular as she is when she was working for WWE, her style of commentary was often to pacify angry wrestlers. They do that now. Backstage commentators, unlike Amin Jean Okerlund, who would kind of, oh, oh my goodness, he would kind of provoke conflict. These backstage commentators or, or uh, interviewers are seemingly trying to defuse conflict. So I think when there's a lack of conflict on screen, Evan, the fans, like myself, feel the need to rile things up, create the conflict with the smart marks uh, in the Facebook groups, on the Twitter pages, because we're not getting our primal wrestling need met for conflict. We are creating it amongst ourselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Interesting.
3: Dr. Mike. I I was going to interject that I think AEW... You know, starting from Tony Khan on down, the guy seems like a really decent person who cares about others and cares about the product he's putting out. And you know, granted, probably my only gripe about AEW at times, uh, as I've discussed with Bully Ray, Baba Dudley, is the roughing. And, and sometimes they'll let guys, you know, go forever outside the ring in a non stips match, and then other times they do the proper counting out stuff. So. Uh, and, and they have, they handpicked, I mean, I knew a lot of these refs, um, particularly Rick Knox from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which was sort of like the parent that begat AEW, they all were through there. I shot Kenny Omega a million times there, Young Bucks since the start of their careers, Orange Cassidy, et cetera there. Um, but, you know, from the, that on down, and they handpicked all, like, the best available refs Uh, other than Charles Robinson in WWE, they've got the best foreign talent, international talent, so at least for me, somebody that has to cover this as a photographer, magazine writer and stuff, and then write up reports for Japan, I like both, I mean, I really can't stomach Raw, and now that they've gotten rid of that, uh, after seven weeks, Adnan, or I forget what his name was, the Burke, the Lead play-by-play guy that had no history in wrestling and now they're going for an MMA guy who granted He's done some MMA TV But he's you know from Sirius XM primarily he starts this Monday, you know, it's like they just don't care It's like if the fans get pissed and, and i want to ask Mike his thoughts on all I'm spewing out um, He doubles down and, and again, as I've said a million times on this show and elsewhere, the wrestlers there in WWE are playing to an audience of one, that being Vince. So uh, it, it's very cool. So I love NXT. It's some of the best wrestling. And I love AEW. The shows remind me of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Just a wealth of talent. You don't know who's going to go come in and out. There's always surprises. It's my favorite show each and every week. How um well, I
0: think sure. I think one of the things is that we had it built into us or burned into the consciousness of wrestling fans from the territory days that my territory is better than your territory and my federation is better than your federation and it's not that even growing up there were people who well, were I don't think
3: people in. do about other territories there are very few of us Napolitano Bill after, and myself traveling around it really wasn't that way unless you had a territory war like detroit montreal or and no but i'm saying that
0: that transformed into the awa versus the nwa versus the wwf people chose sides there you know and then there's still this sort of need to like say that my fed is better than your fed kind of thing so the wwf solid fanboys are going to always spit on AEW, and then AEW feel AEW fans feel like they have to respond in kind.
3: Well, a lot of them were, uh, as Mike can probably attest, they were probably tivoing NXT you know, on the Wednesday nights. Now you see they're on separate nights, and uh, AEW won that war. NXT is producing even better shows now that they don't have to fret about. Uh, being beaten every week by AEW in the ratings, which is sort of the the measuring stick for uh, for I don't know how many years dating back to the Monday Night Wars. But, Mike, I'm assuming you're going to the pay-per-view tomorrow. Yeah. Last night, How was last night and and everything? Because this looks like a fun weekend. I bet tons of people from all over that were able to come, maybe not outside the U.S., are there.
2: Well, I called an audible last night because um, I – actually went to the baseball game across the parking lot from AEW. I was at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and uh, when I got back to my car, uh, I could hear Justin Roberts announce Hangman Page and won a match. So that's all I know from last night. Uh, I had the baseball ticket in hand, and just the way that the tickets have been working for AEW, um, I've been kind of like, I don't know, a preferred or a regular customer since February, but my seat uh, that I wanted, that I've been having, wasn't available for the whole weekend package, so to speak. So I had to kind of pick and choose, and what I picked and choose was today's convention and tomorrow's pay-per-view, and I took the night off last night from Dynamite.
3: Yeah, you could just watch it, you know, probably probably but you could watch. You can see Hangman Page bled like buckets. You know, he hit hard way accidentally, first from the mouth and then from the head. He was bleeding all over the place in uh, in that match. Um, so, He's a
2: great wrestler. He's he, see. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, here's the. Th- I don't mean to cut you off, Doctor Mike, but um, just I get a little excited because you mentioned one of my favorite young wrestlers, Hangman Page, and um, I guess kind of going to what Doctor Mike said about five minutes ago. For me, with uh, and Evan knows this, all that I've said about WWE and their dealings with Saudi Arabia, funding the Trump administration in 2016 uh, campaign. Uh, firing, as Evan points out on Facebook quite nobly, firing uh, what was it, no, uh, 60 or 80 employees during the middle of a pandemic. When I watch WWE. Oh, and don't forget the trash bag incident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with Mickey James, right. Mickey yes. James, yep. Yeah. But when, when I watch WWE, Russell, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm doing something that's against my moral ethics, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it out of habit, and I'm doing it to serve the community of uh, Mike Messier subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel followers that want to know my takes. And the the compromise I've made with myself and with the people that care about my opinion is I watch the WWE pay-per-views, and if something big comes up or if there's a big request for me to state my opinion as one of my subscribers said, hey, Mike, what do you think of these Ultimate Warrior docs? Then I'll do the research, and then I'll catch up. But as far as punishing myself like a nihilist, and watching Monday Night Raw every week, I can't do it. I I, I refuse to do it because we're all gonna be dead at some point And I don't wanna die. Well, thanks. <laughs> I don't yeah. wanna I don't wanna move on to the next life having watched Drew McIntyre do a promo about uh, Bobby Lashley fifteen times in
3: three months. You know what I mean? Evan used to talk about that with the Cena and Ort Mitch. Very briefly of though. I've supplied and worked with both A&E and Vice Vice since season one, but particularly this year, and actually the, the A&E things, we finished up. They were, they were all different production companies like two years ago. So my supplying them with photos of Helwig for that Ultimate Word doc, and then Vice for this one, the dueling ones, I thought they both sucked to be. And it's not so much their fault, but I don't think a lot of people are interested in this guy. He didn't have a lot to offer anybody they didn't touch his alleged porn career and in and then to have the dueling wives you know each one had like a and E had since it's ww event supported had his last wife who was sort of had the blinders on to all this shit that he was doing drugs sex uh, republican trump bullshit and then the other one had the wife before that who was also like a uh Oblivious to everything. Oh, you know, life was so wonderful until he got into the drugs and started cheating on me. And they—they they were both Dollsville, so I'm hoping the uh, uh, murders in the uh, uh, Grizzly and Jake Roberts family, Grizzly Smith, Jake Roberts family, and and are are better because this was a week of two doc documentaries that blew.
1: Well, oddly, go ahead. Let me just throw this out there. Um, WWE has been around 60 or so years, <laughs> 60 or so, Dr. Mike. Uh, just 50s, yeah, late 50s.
3: Okay.
1: okay. So, why would the fans even be on the side of the ruthless corporation that has a 60 year head start instead of the new kid on the block, you know, that's trying to do something different? And exciting, I, I mean, I, I don't,
0: I don't quite grasp that. And well, it's Stockholm syndrome in a lot of ways. You said it. Mean, you know, they people have been captive and held captive and told that this is what they're supposed to like. And for some people, that is what what mixes with their love of wrestling is the idea that it's brainless for them and that they love being told what to think. And they like being told by Vince McMahon what to think, just like right. they like being told they, they, by so, Trump.
3: If you look at what Meltzer and the others that look at, any of us can look at it. It doesn't have to be Meltzer or Keller or Alvarez. But you look at the ratings and WWE has lost all of the 24 to 34-year-olds or the 18 to 34-year-old audience. AEW wins that handily every week in, for their slot. Uh, they just came at, or were listed by multi-channel news, which is one of the Bibles. The TV publication is the stickiest cable show of the week, meaning it had the most viewer interest. So they have that WWE, even the NXT, which I love. Great show that, that doesn't have Vince's dirty fingerprints all over it. Um, skews older, even NXT skews older. And before I forget, I want to dedicate the show to a legend, Tony Marino, who we just lost, I think this morning or, last night total legend in florida but also more importantly uh, for the sheep's territory in detroit um and and where mike is and is and mark eaton also just died uh earlier today mark mark eaton, eaton.
0: For, for the uh the center for the uh utah jazz and gavin also,
3: mcleod the love boat
0: and gavin, gavin. mcleod so celebrities mm-hmm. die in never three
3: wrestled. never wrestled. but Mar- mike is is so lucky because Right now, it feels, uh, to me, since I live the territories, I traveled, went to nearly every single one of them besides Japan and Mexico and Europe and junk. Um, he is right there where Court Bauer's home basis for MLW, which is an exciting young promotion. Uh, and a lot of those guys, MJF and Tony Schiavone got revitalized there and uh, Pillman Jr. all in uh, MLW. Mike, did you get to go to uh, to any of the MLW shows there in Florida? I haven't been to MLW yet.
2: I, I think I actually applied for a job there a while ago, but maybe I should apply again just to let them know I still care. And uh, I've, I haven't watched a whole lot of MLW, but I watched some of the Opera Cup. I think it was a Pillman-Harry uh, Smith, Davy Boy Smith's son, Opera Cup match, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, I know that they had the Von Erichs-Kevin sons. And uh, I, I know they have a lot of talent, uh, the female um Latina manager, I believe.
3: Yes. Um, De La Renta.
2: Yes. Um, good heel. I'm in Jacksonville. I'm actually in... in I'm, I lived 20 minutes from Daly's place where they're doing all the AEW stuff. So that's been my kind of territory. Uh, I did think that Russell made a good point that back in the day, if you were, say, a world-class championship wrestling fan, you might be cheering for Kerry Von Erich. And if you were... Uh, In the St. Louis territory, you might be cheering for Crusher Blackwell. And if you were uh, in Memphis, it might be Jerry Lawler or Austin Idol. So I I think that that point is kind of cool. These days, you kind of have to pick your territory. For most fans, they wouldn't have uh, the geography that I do of being so close to AEW. But most fans can say, well, I like all these guys on NXT because – I'm familiar with them. Or, or maybe they're from, like, your independent promotion. Tommaso Ciampa is a guy that I spoke to many times because I was doing commentary for top rope promotions in Massachusetts. We had mm-hmm. Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, we had um, – oh, man, I feel uh, –
3: Mercedes Ring of, Martinez was there. Was she? Mercedes Martinez?
2: Oh, yeah, she was there. She was great. Yep. We had um, the guy from Ring of Honor. He was the champion. Vin, Vinny Marcellia. And I'm I'm feeling bad. I'm drawing a blank on one of the uh, Vinny's tag team partner often in uh, Japan and Ring of Honor, another guy with long hair, good wrestler. Uh, We had Biff Busick, who now wrestles as Oni Larkin. Biff Busick was a a long-running champion in top row promotions. And a lot of these guys I had personal bonds with, and most of them have gone on not to AEW but to, you know, NXT – but for me, like I said, and Evan knows this the best, and I've, I've been interviewed by Vince Russo about it, I've been very outspoken about the WWE's politics. I don't like having politics mixed with pro wrestling. I feel that when a subscriber to the WWE Network three or four years ago was paying their 10 bucks a month, and eventually that money goes to Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon and his wife spend that money uh, to, to fund a political candidate, And that candidate happens to win, and they get rewarded with uh, Linda McMahon having a political office. I find that to be a conflict of interest, that thou shalt separate pro wrestling and state. And I don't like when my wrestling mixes with politics, either on the left, right, or in the middle. And I feel that Vince broached the unspoken trust that wrestling and politics shall not mix. So therefore, uh, AEW, and I know that the counterpoint would be that the cons or the father con, gave a million dollars to the Trump administration as well, that's been reported. But for me, a million is one-sixtieth in the 60 million, I believe it was reported that Vince gave, or maybe it was 600, I thought it was 60, I don't know. But,
3: remember, um, it was his uh, primary fundraiser when she quit her post as Small Business Administration head.
2: Right. For, for, a, for a, a couple that put all the territories out of business, now she's funding the small business head, right? I mean, tell that, tell that to uh, Crockett and Gagne and, and all the promoters that we loved. Um, guys, I, 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 don't, I just thought it might be fun as a visual. Uh, if you want to see some photos that I've taken, uh, not to say that the quality of Dr. Mike's, but this is from the Tower of Doom, you might recall, that 1988, Great American Bash, July 10th. Uh, that's that's Kevin Sullivan, I believe, trying to get himself up the Tower of Doom. Uh, and I took that from the, the audience. This was from an uh, April 1988 Baltimore arena. You see kind of the, the Fantastics uh, doing yep. a, a dozy dough with the Midnight Express, the Bobby and Stan version.
3: Uh, uh,
2: it's kind of a nice shot. Yeah. And we uh, were both uh, speaking of Brian Pillman, Dr. Mike and myself. Uh, and here's the original Pillman uh, launching. Uh, you might remember that match from the 89 Bash, but that's Brian Pillman, uh, the original senior, launching on top of Wild Bill Irwin. And unfortunately, they're both. Uh, is Wild Bill still alive? I know his brother yeah, he passed is. away. Yeah, Okay, Wild that's Bill good. Is
0: still alive.
3: His brother passed away.
1: We can almost see these photos, Mike.
3: Well, <laughs> yes. they tell you, you look at the audience, there's all these details Mike has in his shot that they're fun to look at the audience, they are intent on the action. They're not holding up signs or being Pavlov's dogs, just marking out or orgasming at. The- nobody
0: owns a wrestling belt. You know, back then, nobody else
2: owned a, a replica belt. I saw a guy walking around today with an elite belt like the, 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 the Kenny Omega Young Bucks uh, guys. This guy had like a customized belt that said the elite. I, I always wonder about these fans that go to conventions or they go to live wrestling shows and they carry a belt. Are they defending the belt? Like can other fans approach them and give them They're a small package?
1: They're defending their virginity. <laughs>
0: yes.
3: yes. <laughs> their continued ongoing long, long-term chronic virginity.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so Mike, why, can you tell us how you got started in professional wrestling so our fans can figure out how, how you got involved in wrestling and, and what your role was?
2: Well, like everybody else, I started off as a fan, and, um, you know, what really hooked me at the time, I'll be aging myself a little bit, was guys like the Wild Samoans, Alpha and Sika, Rocky Johnson. When I grew up in the suburbs of Virginia, Special Delivery Jones, was actually a main event guy at the Capitol Center, which is kind of interesting. Like
0: well, we were just S- talking about Johnny Rods the other week, so, you know, it's yeah, that's right in that, that whole uh, wheelhouse area.
2: Yeah, it was interesting that S.D. Jones and Rocky Johnson, my dad took me to see them fight uh, Crippler Ray Stevens and Playboy Buddy Rose at, at a, like, um, February 15th, 1983, And uh, Morocco and Backlund fought one of those matches where Backlund was disqualified for bleeding too much, but he kept the title. And this was in the infamous snowstorm uh, of the Beltway at that time. And my dad, me, and a friend got there in my dad's Volkswagen Rabbit. You know, so credit to my father for getting us there. You know, one of those memories. Um, But I think what hooked me, and it's sad, guys. when When I get so irate with the WWE, I started off as a WWF fan. But then, like many, when I started finding Georgia Championship Wrestling and guys like Buzz Sawyer and that Power Slam and somebody say something about Tommy Rich and the Road Warriors, especially on Georgia Championship Wrestling, the young Road Warriors, it started to feel like there was a certain realness to the NWA territories. Uh, And going up to Rhode Island in the summer, where somehow we could get this Boston Channel fuzzy, of the Von Erichs and the Freebirds, and even my sister, who pretty much hated pro wrestling, she was quoting Kevin Von Erich when he was saying to Michael Hayes, "This is not a battle between Texas and Florida. This is a battle between good and scum." So, I mean, these are the things that kind of hook into your memory banks and they form your your brain patterns. And myself as a writer, you know, as Evan knows, you know, I've I've published my first novel here, "A Distance from Avalon: When the Dying and the Dead Reunite." But, you know, some of my creative writing, I'm sure, was influenced by, Eddie, Eddie, Ed, 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 uh, you know, Matt Brock, who was a, a fictional writer for the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines, and Craig Peters and, and Stuart M. Sachs and Peter King, and, and um, those wrestling magazines, the after mags, as they call them, they were they were a lot of fun. Like that was a whole world unto itself. On top of what you saw on TV, the the literary uh, side of pro wrestling. Now we have a lot of books, a lot of autobiographies, but by wrestlers. But I'm telling you, those those golden days of the 1980s for the after mags. For me, that was just a big part of it, as watching stuff on TV.
3: When did you figure out, though, Mike, that? Uh... Most everything in there, including the so-called interviews, were all a work. And I huh? worked. Them.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, just uh, sorry didn't get you off, but I wanted to give you. I wanted to sell the punch. Uh, when did I figure out that those those articles really, were? Quickly. Um, here's the thing. I, I guess I did it for a long time because I did think. I didn't think that everything I was watching on TV was legit, but I thought that if they were actually had an interview with Dusty Rhodes or, you will know, say it was Dusty Rhodes, I thought that they would actually sit down and Dusty was giving them kayfabe answers in order for them to publish it. I didn't think that just Bill Aptor or Stu Sachs or whoever was was coming up the whole with the whole thing, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I think that those articles and those photographs, I mean, if you look at... Um, The Super Cards 1986 uh, edition of Pro Wrestling Illustrated where you've got Hogan and Bundy in the cage and you've got the Crockett Cup and you've got the... AWA had a big show with Vern Gagne coming out of retirement to team with, uh, I think, his son against um, Bruiser Brody and Nord the Barbarian in a cage match. I'm going by memory, by the way. If you look at those magazines, I would compare that to any graphic novel or any... uh, magazine sports illustrated i i'd i'd put the the after mags and and some of the other wrestling review had a great cover with bob Backlund, like a purple cover and bob Backlund holding the wwf title belt i mean these are these that was some quality publishing in my opinion
1: so mike um you mentioned stockholm syndrome and dr mike mentioned pavlov's dogs so let's talk a little about the psychology of all of this so you'll, you'll say something critical about the WWE, and within seconds, the fans are turning on you. You know, and I've heard people go so far as to say, quote, quote, Vince is my hero. He's an American hero. WWE is my religion, okay? So you are setting these people off. And my question would be, why are they so obsessive? Why does it make you their enemy or whatnot by, st- you know, talking from your heart and giving legitimate criticisms? Because I've lived through all of this, and I've just cut it down dramatically because I'll just have a stro- I'm older than you. I'll have a stroke one day. My head will be down on the keyboard, and my last words will be ASDFJKL semicolon. Because my head will be down on the keyboard and I'll be dead from battling some of these idiots. But uh, anyway, you seem to relish it, though. I think you enjoy going toe to toe with these guys. So tell us about that whole scenario. Because when I think of you, I always think of you, you know, stating your mind and, and and you know putting yourself out there and really holding your ground with a lot of people that disagree.
2: If I had to, think, Evan. I mean, if I had to pinpoint it, it was 2017. I want to say May or June of 2017. I was in a group called the Cult of K Fabe Wrestling Group on Facebook. And there was a discussion because the big show had just been kind of speared through the side of a cage by Braun Strowman the night before on Raw. And so people were kind of debating. And, and the, the word was that this was the end of Paul White's career. And someone said, well, he's had a great career. And if, he's, if this is the end of Paul White, then so be it. You know, salute, great career. And I chimed in. You know what? He hasn't had a great career. He's had a terribly disappointing career. And people, what are you talking about? He had the WWF title. He did this. He did that. I said, well, the, one of the things I remember about Paul White and the big show on WWF or WWE television is getting on his knees and begging John Laurinaitis to keep his job. And I have seen a clip of of the Big Show wearing a diaper and pretending to be the baby New Year. And I remember him uh, losing in a boxer versus wrestler match to Floyd Mayweather Jr. And I remember him losing in a sumo match to Ako who never wrestled for the WWE ever after the sumo match at WrestleMania. So when I think of Paul White, the Big Show, I think of a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound disappointment and someone that did better in two years in WCW than he did in 20 in WWE. And so when I started writing this stuff, uh, I said, man, I'm writing a lot. Maybe I should just cut a video. And I was very slow to the smartphone game. Like I was years behind in the smartphone game. But I picked up the smartphone, and I cut a little promo. And I said, well, what do I do with this? I said, well, I guess I'll put it on YouTube. And I, I hadn't really been doing YouTube a whole lot. And that uh, video, uh, which, you know, I've changed the title a few times, but it's still on YouTube. It's it's big show. You know, how do you waste a, a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound giant? You know, ask Vince McMahon. And I uploaded the video to Cult of Cave Fave in the comments as my reply. And people were like, what are you doing? Why are you making a video? Why can't you just write? I said, watch the video. See what you think. And And immediately there was some hate and some disagreement. And then I cut another video. And then we were off to the races. And um, it is funny because Dr. Mike, you know, mentioned Ultimate Warrior. It's funny because although my political leanings are much, much different than apparently the Warriors were 10 or 12 years ago, I actually got along with the Ultimate Warrior when I met him the one time at a fan event in Boston. And I actually uh, was inspired by the Ultimate Warrior's 2011-2012 uh, campaign of motivational videos, not his political videos and not even his wrestling matches. I was never a big fan of Ultimate Warriors wrestling. I thought he had three great matches WrestleMania 5 against Rude, 6 against Hogan, 7 against Macho Man, and the SummerSlam 92 against Savage was also quite good. But the Ultimate Warrior uh, 2011 2012 gym videos, motivational videos, uh, those type of videos that Ultimate Warrior was doing. Um, his kind of ill-fated Warrior University that lasted for a few months, he wasn't talking about politics. He was talking about weightlifting, and he was talking about guys taking care of themselves and stuff like that. I got, I got into that. And so once he passed away in 2014, I feel like some of his energy of not putting up with crap from people, especially when regards to pro wrestling, I feel like that energy kind of remanifested into me. In my own unique way. I'm not telling guys about gyms and stuff like that. But I am encouraging. This is what I do that's different, guys. I will tell the WWE fans especially, stop watching WWE. <laughs> my, my friend Joe Cronin, who does a great podcast, uh, Almost Nightly, uh, the JD from New York, uh, Vince Russo. None of these other guys. And I like Vince Russo too. But none of these guys will just flat out tell WWE fans, stop watching. Limit yourself. You're driving yourselves nuts. You're, you're watching Monday Night Raw with the expectation that it's going to suck. And then it does suck. And then you get upset about it. And then you tweet about it. And you Facebook about it. And you say Raw sucked again. Then you go into a podcast, you know, like a Joe Cronin or somebody else. And you vent to the host how much Raw sucked. I said, I go to a movie on Monday night. I'll go to the movie theater and see a movie. I'll go to the beach and walk. And, and once a month, I will give WWE an allotment of my time for their pay-per-view and all the storylines that I miss throughout the month, I'll catch up on in a nice three or three and a half hour uh, deep dive for that month. And I'm saner, I'm calmer, uh, and I feel like I'm, I'm doing better and I'm trying to liberate some of these, I call them McMark's and if I'm being a, a jerk, I'll call them Idiot McMarks. that mm-hmm. they feel that they need to watch WWE out of some type of loyalty. And some of this stuff is because, hey, someone might say, me my dad used to watch WWF Raw, and then my dad died five years ago. Well, I'll say, you know what? Your dad wouldn't want you to suffer through bad Monday Night Raw. If you have to, go to YouTube or go to Peacock and watch some old wrestling. Like I, I always encourage people, Evan, and, and, as you guys know, if you haven't watched Arcade 83 and 85, don't call yourself a pro wrestling fan. If you haven't watched uh, Super Clash 3 with Von Eric vs. Lawler, don't call yourself an educated pro wrestling fan. I don't want to hear your opinion if you haven't watched some of these classic shows that are right there at your fingertips. Why are you watching a WWE main event whenever that's on and... At your fingertips from the catalog.
1: Yeah. So, so I stopped watching Raw in 2017. It was my 2018 New Year's resolution because I know one day I'll be on my deathbed and I'll have squandered all those Monday nights. So, so I have not watched Raw since 2017. And I haven't watched SmackDown. I'm like you. I'll turn on a WWE pay per view because generally there's three good matches out of the 17 or whatnot. And uh, but you know it it it's it's not it's not a necessity to watch something that's upsetting you. And I posted today on Facebook since April 3rd I've watched 57 movies. 57 movies. You know. If you have no other interest but wrestling, there's something probably wrong or obsessive. And when I see people posting, 3 a.m., they're posting, I, I miss Chris Benoit. It's Chris's birthday. I mean, there's something wrong. I mean, just wrong, okay, mentally. If, if you're thinking about Chris Benoit at 3 a.m., <laughs> I'm sorry. And... Uh, you know, and, and another thing while I'm venting, and I'll make it quick, you know, I'm not big on this speaking ill of the dead. You know, they'll, they'll pull a wrestler out of their ass, and they'll go, I hate, they'll use the word hate, which isn't normal either. They'll go, I hate Chief J. Strongbow. I hate this guy. Ric Flair, I hate. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, there's something very wrong if you hate a professional wrestler. This I mean, I can understand you not enjoying somebody's work, but to hate them and write a thousand-word manifesto on why you hate them, I think you've crossed the line into obsessive. What, what do you think, buddy? You've been quiet.
0: Well, you know, um, uh, uh, we, this sort of thing is fostered by the kind of quality of, of what we have, what we're watching. I think the the fact that you know the other day i think i did tune into a uh uh, a raw a couple weeks ago and from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock i probably saw about 12 minutes of actual wrestling you know that wasn't broken up by commercials wasn't broken up by you know showing what happened the week before an interview of something else you know it's it's it it well, I, and unfortunately we have such a, a large group now of people that have gotten used to watching that as what wrestling really is they've forgotten what the shows you know what mike was talking about you know super clash three you know what kind of matches made up super Clash three there are barely any interviews you know when you see super Clash three the interviews are maybe one or two minutes and then the match starts and you get about 20 minutes worth of wrestling and about two minutes worth of interviews now you get 20 minutes worth of interviews and about two minutes worth of wrestling. And people's standards as to what makes a good wrestling show has really fallen apart. And I think that's, that's where we're having so much difficulty with the next generation of wrestling fans. As you see, they're not watching WWE as much as Mike Leno said. They're trying to watch AEW. They're trying to watch things that have got more actual, actual action going on. As opposed to a uh, 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 talk festival and reruns and skits that go absolutely nowhere. Gosh. Comedy that comedy that isn't funny. Yeah, that's 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 what the WWE has tried to cater now more than wrestling. Yeah, no, that's and it's just is, awful.
3: Vince, yeah, Vince's sense of humor. I want to ask Mike if he watches any Impact because look at the schedule of wrestling. If you don't, if you can't tape. Or just pause and go watch a movie or something else and then come back to it, you know, depending on what your DVR is like. That's kind of what I do. I'm blessed in California. Direct TV, I get all the shows three hours early, East Coast time. So I can buzz through raw 15 to 20 minutes, just go to the good parts. But Tuesday is NXT. You
0: don't need 15 I'm to 20 minutes.
3: On. Yeah. Wednesday oh, oh. a <laughs> and Thursday Dark Side, and all day of Impact. And I'm going to get back to Impact in a second. Friday, SmackDown. Saturday, though, has MLW, depending on where you are, Ring of Honor shows. There's Lucha on your local, you know, CMLO uh, Lucha. Uh, we don't quite have AAA back yet. And then the Sundays uh, is the a documentary, three hours of that stuff. But there's also Tuesdays, there's NWA, Billy Corgan's NWA when they get back to it. So on the impact thing it's almost 12 hours of impact on the access channel. They have a four to five hour uh, original TNA pay-per-view to start like at noon California time. And those are ones I never watched, you know, or bought most of them. And so I can sort of fast forward through those. Then they have a pre-show hour before impact starts two hours of impact and sort of a post impact show. And there, which is usually old um, TNA matches best of, somebody drew Mack or drew Galloway when he was called that there. And then now they're starting, they're going to have a uh, knockouts whole hour after that. So it's almost 12 hours. So I want to ask Mike if he's watching this and if he has the stupidest thing of the whole week. And I, I like a lot of aspects of impact, but during the, uh, before the impact show, that's before the two hours of impact, they have this guy doing Iceman Intel and Intel is supposed to be, You're giving out information or intelligence or something. So this guy goes, I can't tell you who. I can't tell you where or when. He doesn't tell you shit. Why do they give this guy five minutes every week? Whose relative is this motherfucker?
2: Well, uh, if I'll answer the question, Dr. Mike. You know, I was, and I'll preface it by saying uh, TNA Impact Wrestling. I went to the Samoa Joe Kurt Angle Six Sides Mm -hmm. uh, sides Cage Match. I was there. Uh, I talked to Dixie Carter briefly at that show, and once again, I, I tried to get work with the, uh, Impact Wrestling or TNA at the time. I talked to Terry Taylor on the phone. I sent him my storyline that I proposed to their company, and, and he was polite, but what he said, he gave me the cliche line of, you're like the um, square peg in the round hole. He said, you can obviously write for wrestling, but Jeff Jarrett's writing most of our stuff right now, so uh, I didn't know can, how to take that. tell us what that storyline was? Well, I don't want to give it away, because to be honest, and uh, I think, thank you for asking, but that's a storyline that I would still love to pitch to uh, Impact Wrestling. Um, not Impact, actually, AEW Wrestling, because the reason is that the, the storyline that I wrote could work for any promotion, as long as they had 20 or more wrestlers on their roster, I could make it work, uh, because it's, it's uh, I'll, I'll say this, it's a tournament storyline, and it's a tournament unlike anything that's ever been done in professional wrestling.
0: That's a great and... idea. That's a great idea. That, that brings people back to the competition and the idea that there's maybe a title or something that's worth competing for, which is one thing Evan is always talking about. No, Nobody cares about anything anymore. There isn't a storyline that features something that guys are fighting for that they care about. And and you, your movies are no good when you don't care about the the plot. Your characters have no pretense as to why they're actually there or what they're actually trying to do. And wrestling has lost its pretense as far as I mean, titles are meaningless. Titles don't don't mean what they used to, and guys don't focus their feuds around titles as much as they do shtick.
2: Right. It's called Stakes, and whether it's in acting or, or in, in pro wrestling, Stakes, what's what's at stake? And this tournament storyline that I devised would be a different way to get to a familiar ending. Uh, to, to go to Dr. Mike's question about current modern day, say the last two or three years of Impact, I've had some issues with it, and I'll tell you the issues, and maybe you have a counter. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Joey Ryan. I had videos when I... Uh, talked about Joey Ryan, disgracing the sport. When I lived in Rhode Island, Joey Ryan wrestled at a free exhibition show at a sandwich place, literally five minutes from where I was, but I couldn't get myself to go, and I didn't want to go. I said, if they're booking Joey Ryan, I have no interest in seeing this um, crotch flip nonsense. I
1: I saw Joey Ryan wrestle in a church, and I was watching the priest watching him. That was more entertaining.
2: Well, I, seriously, I just, I'm not making. I believe, this- I, no, I believe you. I just, I just couldn't, um, I couldn't sign off on the whole Joey Ryan crotch flip stuff, and when Mick Foley flopped like a fish to sell that thing in some show somewhere, I didn't like that either. And I, I called both of them out. I did a video about that, and I tweeted back and forth with Joey Ryan. I think in the summer of eighteen, and I suggested to Joey as we're twittering back and forth, I said maybe you should. Shoot, like you should go to war with your own dick flip. Like you should disavow the dick flip and go to war with it. And Joey Ryan says, Yeah, you're full of great ideas, you know, being very swarmy. And a year and a half later, he's doing that pretty much that same idea. But when Joey, uh, my basic. Interesting with segments on impact. Uh, no offense to Tessa Blanchard, I think she's an outstanding women's wrestler. But she, to me, she's a she's a five foot two, uh, outstanding woman's athlete. And let her wrestle other outstanding women wrestlers. When they're having her beat Brian Cage, who's six foot five and, and bigger than Lex Luger or the Warlord, why is she beating Brian Cage and then beating Sammy Callahan for their title? Why is Sammy Callahan a guy who takes a baseball bat, smashes uh, Eddie Edwards, who's a real nice guy, in the eye socket with a baseball bat? Why does he get rewarded with a contract and a title run? Um, How come with Impact Wrestling, they build stars, whether it's Maria Kanellis and Mike Bennett coming in for a cup of coffee or Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes coming in for a cup of coffee or um, Alberto Del Rio coming in for two or three cups of coffee. They build these people up, and the next thing you know, they're gone. These things that were happening in, in Impact Wrestling maybe two or three years ago, it left a sour taste in my mouth. And I couldn't, once again, you had me with Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle in the cage. You even had me with Hardcore Justice 2010 when they had Raven and Tommy Dreamer do a pay-per-view match that I thought was quite epic in its storytelling with two guys at the tail end of their career. But when you start bringing in talent, hot-shotting Impact Wrestling with, with certain big names and then they're gone, and they leave with the title or or Austin Aries. Bad
0: Bunny. Ahem, ahem. Well,
2: well, my point is, you asked about Impact Wrestling. I'm telling you why my kibitzes with Impact Wrestling. And that's why I'm pretty much these days I'm watching AEW, and I watch my steady supply of, of old-school wrestling on YouTube. I'm getting more into the AWA things. Like, AWA had a bunch of big shows in 82 and 83, Um, I'm always uh, watching some type of wrestling. La Lucha Libre, I'm getting more interested in that. I've written a feature screenplay, American Luchador. I mean, Evan Ginsberg, with his uh, producing credits, uh, 350 Days, and The Wrestler, Evan Ginsberg should read The American Luchador, The Dream of Lobo Fuego. That's a screenplay that has money written all over it. Thanks. I'll send it to you. Mike,
0: this sort of brings me to another question that I wanted to to get to you uh, with, which is, Why do you think there's such a reticence by the WWE and maybe the other feds to have wrestling guys write and book wrestling action right now? The WWE has hired just about every kind of writer that you can get, you know, except really traditional wrestling story people, like someone like yourself, to do these storylines, and they keep failing. And, and they just keep repeating it and keep hiring guys from, you know, soap operas and from comedy shows and from, you know, writing riddles for Dixie Cups. I don't know where they... Party
3: Prince started. Jr. worked for them for a while. Yeah. But,
0: so, but, but the, uh, an American, I...
3: American comic. Uh, I think they had two of them. Uh, one, and Patrice O'Neill, who passed away, who used to be on the Opie and Anthony show regularly, and even uh, Bubba the Love Sponge, he... Uh, was part of their staffers that's the same mentality they take with announcers and when they put out job apps on monster.com or whatever they're putting out there uh you know no experience no history of watching wrestling required and when they get in wrestling folks or people that grew up loved it did it the proper way uh they Sour on that because I think they want to just brainwash them and meld them into whatever People can sit there and have Vince talk in their headphone that that's what they want or that's what Vince wants and everything is all revolves around him
2: December 7th. uh, I'm sorry December 13th 2007 I had my job interview in Titan Tower for the creative writing team And I was quite shocked to even get that far because I had initially applied in 2002 And here it was five years later. I'm actually in Titan Tower. And, uh, you know, what I saw, guys, was I saw that this was 2007, and the the big stars at the time were Batista, Edge, John Cena, and and Randy Orton. And I'm walking around Titan Tower, for not not randomly, but I'm going where they tell me to go. And everything I see is Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Rock. Uh, All the action figures, the stuffed dolls, it's all Steve Austin and The Rock. And this was you know, five or six or seven years after both of those guys are gone. And, um, you know, for me, it is frustrating and it's depressing that Vince McMahon, in my opinion, seems to be a self-hating Southerner. Uh, He's from North Carolina. He had a tough childhood. I can can recognize and appreciate that and feel for him. But he seems to be a self-hating Southerner. He seems to be a self-hating pro wrestling promoter. Uh, for 30 years, he's been telling us he doesn't do pro wrestling. He does sports entertainment. Well, if you're a pro wrestling fan, then don't watch WWE because it's sports entertainment. And I've never heard a kid say, I want to grow up one day and be a sports entertainer. <laughs> I've heard kids say they want to be a pro wrestler. I've I've heard people look at me and I'm a big guy and they say, wow, you look like a pro wrestler or you could be a pro wrestler. But I've never said I've never heard anyone say to someone, wow, you're a big guy. You can be a sports entertainer. It's uh, Vince McMahon, for whatever reason, he hates the fact that he's a natural-born pro-wrestling promoter. He wants to be something that he's not. Well, Vince, the WBF failed, okay? The XFL, XFL on your watch failed twice. You really haven't made many good movies, and your money funded a president who uh, basically called for a treasonous riot at the uh, Capitol building. So Vince, stick to wrestling, because every time you try to do something else, you fail and you lead to people's deaths. I mean, you can say that the money that WWE subscribers put into Vince McMahon's pocket, that he put into Donald Trump's pocket, led to the death of, was it, five or six people on January 6th at the Capitol building? That's reality. That's reality, Vince. So stick to wrestling because that's what you're good at, and it doesn't leave to anyone's death.
3: Don't leave out uh, IcoPro or Owen Hart or uh, uh, the steroid trials in 92 or the Ring Boy scandals around that <laughs> time.
2: Have you noticed that y- you try to find any evidence of Mel Phillips on, on what used to be the WWE Network, now the, the Peacock uh, situation, and, and you can't find Mel Phillips. I don't know if they edited out. Uh, the storyline that Mel was involved with, with the Junkyard Dog and uh, Terry Funk, because Mel was actively involved in that storyline. And and, uh, I think that took, they had a Saturday Night's Live, a Saturday Night Main Event match. And um, interestingly enough, in my YouTube research or just enjoyment, I found an old Piper's Pit. And the guest on the Piper's Pit was Iron Mike Sharp. And at some point, uh, I think Piper is inviting Mark Sharp to, like, break bricks, you know, like a kung fu guy would break, you know, bricks or break wood w- with his arm. And Roddy Piper says, let me get my producers out here. Well, the producers come out. It's Terry Garvin, uh, I believe uh, Mel Phillips, and, and a, a young ring boy who turned out to be, unfortunately, a young man that would grow up to commit suicide after the Ring Boy scandal. Yeah. So that's real deal stuff. That's not a joke.
1: And the fa- and the fans hate you for bringing up any of this.
2: Well, Evan, you know, to answer your question from before, Evan, why do the fans hate me or why do they get upset or why do they piss and groan when I come in? And not all of them. I mean, guys like Shane McKenna, who came out to Florida. We went to a AEW show and Shane runs the, the Wrestling Fans Facebook group. And, and Shane calls me the head of the table, the tribal chief of the wrestling fans Facebook group and Frank Todaro and other wrestling and like yourself, Evan. And, and, uh, you know, there's other gentlemen who, who uh, like what I have to say. And the reason is because I hold up the mirror of truth, the reflection of reality. And, and sometimes the scariest thing you can see is your own reflection. So when I say to these McMark idiots and I say, why, why are you upset with WWE for presenting you a boring listless three-hour Raw when that was the same thing that happened last week? It's the same thing that's been happening since 2017. Why aren't you upset with yourself that you tuned in and watched it? Let
1: me, let me throw this out there. I have a friend who's a licensed psychologist. And I actually asked him, I said, why do people use the word love when they refer to a Donald Trump or a Vince McMahon, you know, billionaires who, you know, do what they have to do to stay billionaires. And he actually said to me, he believes it's, quote, daddy issues. He feels that, you know, a lot of folks there Dads were cold to them. Their dads were not perfect. And in comparison to a Donald Trump or a Vince McMahon, you know, maybe daddy wasn't that bad.
3: You know, this, they've, this they've better bad. ask DJ TJ and Eric Trump about uh, how they've been sort of pushed aside, or even Tiffany Trump. I'd like to see what Mike has to say also about the ballless uh Republicans in the House that... Uh, for whatever reason, now don't want to uh, have the commission, they don't want the January 6th investigate. I'm sure Mike has some great comments there, almost akin to what he was just talking about a moment ago.
2: Well, I, I do, and it's it's this is the thing. If we don't, I wish, whether it's Republican, Democrat, Independent, but the, the politicians have to say, they have to think, in my opinion, don't just think about today and next week and your own reelection situation, think about 20 years from now, 30 years from now, your kids, if they grow up with this jaded view on ethics that you have to keep the company line, you have to keep the party line, because the most important thing is that our guy gets into office or our lady gets into office. If that's what it's come down to, and, and Joe Rogan uses the term tribalism a lot, <laughs> if, if tribalism trumps ethics, then we're in trouble because it it makes you really feel, uh, and I did a video the other day, guys, and I was actually at all places Disney World, and I did a video where I basically said to my subscribers, the subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel, at at some point I'm getting to the point where the environment is so screwed up, our social economics are so screwed up, or the way that we treat each other is screwed up, at some point, I'm just encouraging my subscribers to look out for themselves.
1: Mike froze up there for a second, Uh-oh. buddy. Buddy, adds
0: yeah, something. yeah, it's probably it's, it might be the uh, Republicans listening in on the conversation yeah, and
3: censor Mike. I, I, yeah, they they, so they, they, send, they, they is,
0: get, the black helicopters
3: are yeah, on Mike their way. Oh no, about the. Uh, the, uh, he was going to give us some angles and haps from today's uh, AEW uh, Fan Fest, Mike. Yeah, before be- the black
2: be- helicopters arrived, Mike. Yeah, they cut me off. They got yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I was I was on the soapbox, but the AEW Fan Fest. Um, yeah, Doctor Mike, uh, and people are uh, if they do go to subscribe to Mike Massey's YouTube channel, I have some of the clips. They had a um, the highlight for me. Get this at a wrestling convention was actually wrestling. They did tape a uh, dark episode, and they had four matches. And I did take clips of those matches. They had the guns, Billy Gunn, who still looks great. I think he's age 45 or or whatever he is, but Billy Gunn was still in great shape. And I think he was actually with his younger son. And uh, that kid looks just like Billy Gunn in the face. It was really kind of interesting. It wasn't the son that we've seen the the more of. It was the other son. Um, There was a women's match, uh, Red Velvet. And uh, she wrestled a, a match that was pretty good. And Jungle Boy wrestled one of uh, Bear Country. Um, that was the highlight for me. I actually sat on the floor and had a really good seat and so got some good angles for my clips. Um, here's one thing I didn't like about the AEW Fan Fest, not to put it down, but I'll just be honest with you. The first thing they did, they started off really slow. They had this – they had Paul White and um, – the librarian guy, Peter Avalon, and uh, one of the bald guys, like the young Buck's friend, the bald guy, right. and they did a uh, they played Dungeons and Dragons for about an hour and a half, and they did like a recorded podcast, and even Orange Cassidy was there, kind of out of character, like he was dressed as Orange Cassidy, but he was speaking normally, and I I had to get up and leave, but when I came back, it was still going on. And I think the wrestlers were literally sitting there playing D and D, and kind of doing like a, a pseudo podcast of them playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm just, this was too meta. This was, as Jim Cornette says, a hat on top of a hat. This was too too nerdish for even for I me.
0: Think even Andy Kaufman would have said, "What the heck's going on?"
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got a I've got a I've got a, a tattoo of Brian Pillman on my leg, and I'm sitting here thinking that these guys are too nerdy for me. You know what I mean? And I, I couldn't deal with the wrestlers playing D&D for an hour and a half. But um, they did have some good things. Um, I, like I said, the, 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 the highlight of the wrestling convention for me was the actual wrestling. Imagine that. But it was nice to see everyone was in kind of a, a calm mood, the fans. The AEW fans today, to me, maybe it was the heat. And I think a lot of it is that we didn't really know what to expect But there was like a very quiet, calm thing. And also, just like everywhere else, we're still in transition. You know, we haven't been encouraged to socialize for a year and a half. Florida has been more liberal with that than other states. But, you know, interesting use of words. But I think people are still trying to get back into that thing of how do you talk to strangers in public? You know what I mean? Like we're still getting used to that. Do people still shake hands or is that done with? I shook somebody's hand last night, and it was almost shocking to do it, you know, because a lot of times it's fist bumps and maybe a pat on the shoulder, but somebody offered their hand to me last night at a coffee house, and I shook their hand, And um, but I think a lot of it is just fist bumps. I'll say this. There wasn't a whole lot of masking today. You know, here in Florida, you know, it's kind of like do what you want at this point, so to get into the um, AEW Fan Fest today, the ticket said uh, mask encouraged. But they were not required, so I I've been double vaccinated. I got my uh, vaccinations over six weeks ago, and and knock on wood, I, I'm fine. Thank you. So everything I, I thought it was a fun time. The tickets were forty bucks, and I did I get my forty bucks worth? I'd say so. It was a good time.
3: Did they not have uh, Colt Cabana do his? Uh... Five dollar wrestling or the the very cool stuff he does even his podcast which he's done at fanfest before he'll sit and interview people they'll tear apart somebody's shitty match or something No, nah, he wasn't doing that I think he might have been
2: part of the d and d thing to be honest with you but it it was bad like it, it was it was like not even you know botchamania bad it was just like boring bad like 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 fall asleep heat like it, I mean wrestlers paying playing d and d. I I can't write that off. And um, they were building towards, this is what I guess I would have done. They had a weigh-in at 5.15. The convention was listed as 12 to 5, but then the weigh-in with some of the matches wasn't starting till 5.15. But by the time the the, the dark thing was taped, I, I had to leave. I was hungry. Um, I was sick of being around other wrestling fans. I, <laughs> I just had to go somewhere else, and so I called it a day around four o'clock. But I, I think I got my money's worth, and I think that they did. It was a nice, calm presentation. Probably the highlight. If people go to my YouTube channel, is they had an artifacts uh, th- exhibition where they had like a, a nice tribute to Brody Lee. Um, they had like Brody Lee's jacket, his big white jacket, a nice original painting of Brody. Um, they had, uh, a dusty roads, the about dream dusty roads, bull rope. Uh, they had some artifacts from like, um, the TNT title that was smashed up by Brody Lee. They had different belts on display and nameplates for belts. And I did a pretty good job of taping that stuff. And it's on my subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel. And I think for the money that people put the 40 bucks, I, I don't think anyone left unsatisfied. I think it was a nice time.
0: Well, speaking of, um, uh, please, uh, tell our fans how they can, uh, uh, follow you and, uh, subscribe to your channel. And if you have anything that you're promoting right now, please let us know because we're, we're right up at the end of the show here.
2: Well, Mike Messier.com and M-I-K-E-M-E-S-S-I-E-R. And then Amazon, I mean, beyond wrestling as Evan knows, I'm a writer. I make films, uh, disregard the vampire, Mike Messier documentary, uh, has recently won uh, its 11th award from the Tabloid Witch Awards, which is always nice. Uh, sorry for the reflection. But uh, people can go to subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel. There's uh, Ox Baker, one of the boys. Uh, also, he's in 350 Days by Evan Ginsberg. Uh, but uh, my Bout Backlund interview and a lot more on subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel and MikeMessier.com.
0: We've been a great guest. We'd love to have you on again when you have something else to promote or anytime you want to gab away on a Saturday evening. Uh, love to have you again and uh, really appreciate your, your time this week.
2: Thanks, Russell. Thanks, Evan. And thank thanks, you Dr. Mike.
3: Mike. All Mike, right, everyone.
0: We'll know, see yeah, you all
3: next Evan week. Let me go off.
0: Yeah, thank you, everyone, for being here. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everyone.
3: Okay. And-